Good morning, lovely guys and gals, and welcome to the Bird of Life podcast. Welcome back. Today we're going to be continuing our discussion on the offering of the lamb, and we're going to be we're going to begin by discussing the washing of the hands of the priest, followed by the procession of the lamb. So, as we mentioned in last week's episode, the offering of the lamb finds its proper place, or its original place rather, after the liturgy of the word. So, if you could imagine with me, the liturgy of the word would be completely done and completely prayed without any of the the bread and wine on the altar and then the offering of the lamb would take place and then the rest of the liturgy would be carried out straight away so if that were the situation if that was the case there would really only need to be one washing of the hands right that was the case for many years but that's not the case today today we can see that there's very clearly at least two washing of the hands by the priest and they're the exact same ritual, the exact same rites. And that's because there's a duplication. Because the priest would wash his hands before the offering of the lamb, and then the liturgy of the word would begin. And then he would wash his hands once more before he returns to the altar and begins to handle the gifts again, handle the sacrifice again. So we'll talk about the hand-washing ritual now. And it applies the same thing. The same thing applies exactly at the beginning of the liturgy of the faithful. So the priest washes his hands. And he washes his hands three times. This ritualistic washing of the hands is very clearly a Jewish influence in the church. And, I mean, it serves a very functional purpose because your hands are usually probably dirty. So the priest is washing his hands before he begins to handle the gifts they're about to eat and consume. Probably for hygienic reasons. I mean, it's quite logical and quite reasonable to expect that. But there's definitely the ritualistic Jewish uh, tradition that has continued and has been adopted into the, the the Coptic Orthodox rites. So the priest washes hands three times. The first time, he says, You shall sprinkle me with hyssop, and I shall be cleaned. You shall wash me, and I shall be made whiter than snow. That's from Psalm 50, verse 7. A second time, he washes his hands and says, You shall make me hear jubilation and gladness. Humble bones shall exalt. Same thing, Psalm 50, verse 8. And finally, the third time he says, I will wash my hands in innocence and go around about your altar, O Lord, that I may hear the voice of your praise. That's from, that's from Psalm 25, verses 6 and 7. So as we mentioned in the previous episode, the offering of the Lamb itself is the rite of the entire service, existed since very, very early on in the Coptic Orthodox rites and the Alexandrian rites. However, the way we see today was a little bit different. There was no offering of the Lamb with a basket and everything as we see today, up until around the 10th century. But that's the right that we have today, so we'll, we'll discuss that um, instead of talking about nothing. So as we know, there's the basket that contains the different orbanas, the different gifts, the different oblations that are, be, that are about to be presented to the priest. There's There usually should be an odd number. Uh, that's because Christ is the odd one. And all of these are definitely contemplations and meditations 
that I'm sharing with you because this doesn't have its original place. There's no original right for this. And that's why there's a lot of contemplation and meditation added to it. But that's certainly the case. And, and, and we'll go over it and we'll discuss these con contemplative points because they, there are no original and concrete hardcore points that were there since the beginning because this wasn't there since the beginning. So there's an odd, there's the basket with the odd number of oblations because Christ is the odd one in, in uh, among the rest of the people. He's he's different, he's unique, he's not odd as in he's, he's a weirdo. He's odd as in he's uh, unique, he's different, he's the son of God. And we're all sons of God by adoption, but he's the son of God by nature. So there's the odd number. And then the, the Orban itself is stamped. And it's stamped with a stamp that has one big cross in the middle. And that, that middle part is called the Spodikon, or it's essentially called the masterpiece. The masterpiece, not the masterpiece, like a, like a piece of art. It's the masterpiece because that's the piece that represents Christ when when, when the, the body itself is broken uh, before the distribution. So that's the middle piece. And around it, there's 12 crosses, which each, each represent one of, the, one of the apostles, one of the disciples. And then around the whole thing, there's an inscription that says, Holy God, Holy Mighty, Holy Immortal. Now, around that one middle big cross piece is five holes, five punctures. And five because Christ had, had five wounds. The crown of thorns, one on each hand, one his right hand, one his left hand, one nail through both of his feet, and then finally the spear that pierced his side. So those are the five holes that are around the middle piece. The three holes are usually lined up on the right side, probably just for organization's sake, so as, as a reference. The three punctures are all lined up in the same side. And then obviously, for sure, the Orban itself has to be round, fully round, because we're not going to present a blemished or defective offering as much as we can. So it's round, definitely. And the print itself, the, the print of the, the stamp, should be quite visible, shouldn't have faded away after it was done cooking should generally you know like we're offering christ the best as the best gift that we can so it should not be a burnt loaf of bread but it shouldn't also be raw either so we're trying to offer him the best one the one that's most fitting there are all of these criterias that seem quite academic but in general just just think of the best of the litter that we're going to offer to christ the best gift that we have so we can offer it back to christ all of these criterias just show which orban is best on the side of the priest, there's also the deacon with the vessel or the crude of wine. And that wine, it's wine, right? So wine can go bad. So it's important to smell the wine for the deacon to smell the wine and to make sure that it hasn't gone sour. We're not going to taste it. Of course not. Um, we're going to get the drunk taste testing different uh, wines before, before every liturgy, before offering, every offering of the lamb. So you can make sure if it's good or not. But... You can you can tell by smelling it, and I've I've smelled some pretty sour wine in my uh, in my day, and that just means that it's been gone it's been open for too long or it's, it's gone bad essentially, and usually you wouldn't have to get to the stage where the priests as they're offering the lamb would smell it and then go to change it, but I've seen that happen a few times. It's not a common thing, but usually as the deacon is filling the vessels, it, it's good to give it a sniff before you decide to present it to the priest. So the the wine itself. It's uh, we, we use the kosher wine, the Jewish Passover wine, and that's those, those are the two key things. Later on, a deacon holding a water vessel 
was prominent in the display of the offering of the lamb. The one with the, the wine would be to the right hand of the priest, so to the left hand of the congregation. And then the opposite side would be the one with the water, although that wasn't always the case. The one with the water wasn't always standing there. It used to be just the three, the one offering the lamb, because it always has to be someone offering the lamb, offering the lamb on behalf, on behalf of the people. And then there has to be the priest who's going to offer the lamb to Christ on behalf of the people. And then there's the, the deacon with the wine carrying it as well. And the deacon with the wine and the deacon with the water hold a candle. So those are a few points about the offering itself. Before the priest uncovers the basket of the oblations of the bread, he crosses himself and crosses the basket three times with the usual signs that we're going to talk about in a later episode. And he begins to offer the lamb. Before he does so, today we, we know that the priest, obviously inaudibly to the people, but he, he does say this, he says, God choose a lamb without blemish. And then he grabs the lamb. So after he grabs the first lamb, then he grabs the first lamb with his right hand. Then he grabs the second one with his left hand. And he looks at them and starts to begin to inspect them for all the criteria that we mentioned earlier, just to present the, the best one. Whichever one is the better one stays in his right hand. And the lesser one is kind of like tapped with the better one, the, the superior and the lesser one. The superior one touches the lesser one and it goes back to the basket. And again, the idea of the offering of lamb is a newer rite in the church. So there's a lot of meditation and contemplation, how the greater blesses the lesser and, and so on. But again, these are all contemplations and the offering of the lamb itself in this way wasn't always the case. Just always to keep that in mind when we're discussing the offering of the lamb. The, the superior touches the lesser, or the greater touches the lesser, and then it's placed back and then the right, the best one is always placed over the right hand, and then he goes through the rest of the bread that's being offered, and goes inspects them one by one. And if one is better than the one in his right hand, he crosses it over with the better one going over the lesser one, and he puts the lesser one back in the basket, and so on. He does this repeatedly until the priest or the bishop or the pope decides to pick one loaf of bread and that that'll be the one that'll be the lamb that we're going to offer to Christ. Once he selects it, he places the lamb or the the bread on his palm and he begins wiping it. He begins wiping it because there's obviously flour, excess flour. Uh, when making any bread, there's usually a lot of flour so it doesn't stick and so on. There's usually a lot of flour. So the priest grabs one of the handkerchiefs and starts to just scrub on the orban just to dust it off and make sure that there's not a lot of flowers left. Uh, no one really wants to swallow a whole ton of flowers when they're about to take communion. So, and even when handling it, it's not very pleasant. So just to clean it off a little bit to, to, to get rid of any excess flowers. As he's cleaning it and as he's wiping it, he says, God, grant that our sacrifice may be accepted before you for my own sins and for the ignorance of your people. For behold, it is pure according to the gift of your Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus our Lord, through whom the glory, the honor, the dominion, the worship are due unto you, with him and the Holy Spirit, the giver of life, who is one essence with you, now and at all times, and unto the ages of all ages. Amen. And then he can begin to remember other people and offer it on behalf of certain people. So that's as he's wiping it, as he's wiping the, the bread. Then he dips his finger into the vessel of wine and then touches the the bread or the lamb that he's going to use during the liturgy. And he says, he, he calls it the sacrifice of glory. 
Then he touches the lesser one, so the, the last one that, that it was compared to, and calls it the sacrifice of blessing. And then for the rest of them, he goes around all of them and says, sacrifice of Abraham, sacrifice of Isaac, sacrifice of Jacob, with his um, wet thumb, with the, with the wine. And he touches all of them. And then finally, he goes back to the lamb that he chose and says, sacrifice of Melchizedek. And that's because we know in the Old Testament that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all offered sacrifices. But the only one that we know in the Old Testament that offered an offering to Christ that was bread and wine was Melchizedek. And that's why we have the continuation of this of this offering in the New Testament. And we remember him as we do it. He then goes on to continue to pray over the Lamb and to remember all those that he would like to remember and offer it on behalf of them. A very interesting tradition that we have in the Coptic Church is that we offer liturgies on behalf of people in the sense that we offer it in celebration or commemoration of these people. And for example, when it's, I was reading once, I don't exactly remember where I read it, and if I come across it, I'll, I'll share it with you guys. But I was reading somewhere and it said that the greatest thing you could do for a saint or someone that you love, a departed person that you love, is pray a liturgy on their behalf. And we pray liturgies on the behalf of people when they depart, for sure. But even like your own patron saint, for example, that's that's a way to get in communion with them because there's no greater gift than to pray a liturgy, to offer a liturgy up on their behalf as they're in heaven praying for us. So he begins to remember everybody, he begins to remember in Coptic Creator, there's a tips on what to remember. He says, remember, O Lord, your Orthodox Christians, each one by his name and each one by her name. Remember, O Lord, my father, my mother, my brothers, my kin in the flesh and my spiritual father, those who are living by the angel of peace and repose, those who have departed. Then after he begins to pray for everybody and he's done praying you can pray for anybody individually or so on some people take out uh, some priests take out lists and read, reads names out some priests take out their phones and so on once he's done praying all for all these people or offering it on behalf of all these people he says remember lord my own weakness even i the poor and forgive me my many sins and then he wraps it up with a cloth places a cross on it and then he begins the procession of the Lamb. And I think that's a good place to stop. And we'll discuss the procession of the Lamb next time. I know we were supposed to talk about it today. We'll talk about it next time. And we'll take it from there and keep going. Freely I received, freely I give. Have a blessed day until next time. God is with you and Christ is risen. Mm-hmm.